you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Around the NFL podcast is still waiting for an update on the Portland River Hogs. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with some heroes. Chris Wesley to my left, Greg Roosevelt to my right. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Mark Sessler back to Boomerang IR with a um, <laughs> throat issue. We're hearing. He is not able to make it today, but he will be chiming in uh, to our Twitter show via Twitter. So if people, when they listen to this podcast, just want another hour of content from us, mm. you can find that Busy day. Uh, online on our Twitter accounts. Busy day. Uh, Merry Christmas in the uh, in the rear view. That was a Merry Christmas. Uh, Wes, did you get what you wanted for Christmas? I sure did. I had a great time. <laughs> what did you want? What did you want? I wanted people to come to my house for Christmas Day, and they did. It was pretty. It was pretty great. I went over there uh, late afternoon on Christmas because my family's in Japan right now. That's right. First, we did fake. We did a our own family Christmas a week before, and it was uh, it was a different experience, but it was quite delightful just being around uh, friends and getting a little loose on Christmas. Did you uh, do any Christmas related activities? (laughs) Was there any mistletoe or eggnog or anything like that? Well, it's. Christmas related to like smoke meats and drink alcohol, right? Watch the Absolutely. NBA, little NBA, little NBA action. Watch some hoops. Yeah, yeah, I think there were there was Christmas related. Activity. It was like a podcast crossover because I brought Anthony Jessel. Wow. Yeah, Jessel Nick and Rosenthal Vanity Project, and it was a lot of fun. A celebrity. Well, we <laughs> we opened our doors to anybody without a family, so. Right, you're almost like an orphanage. <laughs> yeah. Of West yeah. LA. That's Christmas nice orphanage. Ones. Great, Wes. Um. So much to get to today uh, because week 17 is upon us. And uh, because of that, no Thursday games, no Saturday games, no Monday game. It is 16 football contests, uh, mostly in the 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock hour. And, of course, the one Sunday night game, which will be a play-in game, of course, uh, in the AFC South to decide that division. And we're going to get to that at the bottom of the show. But we have so much uh, to talk about so many games, Greg, and I know you're excited. 
I, I like week 17. It's a weird, it's always a strange week. It's impossible to predict. There's like motivational problems, but usually there's a few surprises. Like we went into week 17 last year. No one thought the Titans were making the playoffs. No one thought they were going to beat Jacksonville or get the like three things that needed to happen for them to make it, but they did. And that always seems to happen in weeks. Did you say motivational problems? Have you ever heard a Chris Spielman monologue? <laughs> Every game counts to these men. They are leaving it all on the field. Weeks well, one through seventeen. I mean, I'm even getting Spielman says so. I'm even getting into like the point spreads of it all. Like you get some wacky ones this week because like no one knows if the Cowboys are going to try. The, right. the Bears say they're going to try, but no one totally believes them. And you know, so it's stuff like that. You there, don't know there, what to do. There's a reason Week 17 only counts in your fantasy league if you're an idiot. Because these things <laughs> come into play. New Orleans comes to mind in other cities around the NFL. Let's get into the first game, a game that doesn't have uh, any playoff ramifications. We're just going to go through the 1 o'clock, then the 4 o'clock. First up, the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills to AFC East. Also, Rands squaring off and ending uh, disappointing seasons. Uh, Wes, we'll start with you on this one. The, the Dolphins, forever a 500 team, it feels like now. They can get to 500 with a win. Uh, and it's starting to look like, if you, if you read uh, reports out there, that this could be Ryan Tannehill's farewell in Miami. The Miami Herald is reporting it as if it's a done deal, that Tannehill will not even be back. I believe his cap number is $26.6 million next year, and they don't want to pay that, and I don't blame them. <laughs> Well, the reason it's that much, though, is because they gave him a contract before this year. So that's what terrible. That's what bad franchises do. They pushed money into the future to save some cap room in 2018 because they're like, well, Tannehill's our guy for at least a few more years, and now he's not. And that article, if I'm a Dolphins fan, was very concerning because you did not have to read too far between the lines to realize it was ownership that wants Tannehill out, ownership that says he's out. And oh, like, dicey. oh, the coach in the front office, like, we're not even sure who that's going to be, but basically the owner, I, that was how I read it. The owner who used to decisions. be a huge Tannehill fan. J-Lo? I believe it's the owner. Mark of, Anthony. Above no, all, yeah, the, not, all the celebrities. You don't really hear the about the little, the hard rock, that sort of, <laughs> the, the Williams sisters. They Serena minimized that because Gloria they realized Stephon. how bad it seemed that the owners were a bunch of celebrities. And like someone wrote an article that was like, <laughs> yeah, they popped in like 20,000 bucks each. Like it was like they were so not owners. The sound machine. So the Rockets have not decided. <laughs> they basically got like a free <laughs> luxury box fate. and called them an owner. <laughs> Strange move. I will ask you this because Tannehill will be elsewhere. I think there's a chance he will be... Devontae Parker, too. This is probably his last game. But Tannehill's interesting to me. Let's just say there's a scenario where Drew Brees retires after winning the Super Bowl this year. (laughs) Uh, If you took Ryan Tannehill out of the den of mediocrity that is Miami, uh, and I understand you can make the case that Tannehill is indeed a a den of mediocrity in the quarterback world, but if you took him out of Miami and put him on a real team with a great coach, do you think the Saints would have a really good offense with Ryan Tannehill? I think... I kind of think he might be better in a better situation. Based on the established established principles of mediocrity, I think the Saints would then become mediocre. I think they would be better. They he would be better though. I I see what you're saying. Like I I wrote an article this week for QB Index trying to like figure out who you would want this offseason. Like so, who would you want? Bridge, Bridgewater, Foles. Then there's Tannehill. Maybe Jameis Winston. You know. Tann- I don't know. Tannehill's. I, I don't think he's feels so far behind compelling. those other guys. As a, but in I don't that group, him. in he, that group. He is. Flacco. One of the same questions you would have with Teddy Bridgewater, can he stay healthy? Tannehill has not been healthy for a long time. And it, 
he takes too many hits because I think he has that same spatial awareness thing that Mariota has. Tannehill takes entirely too. He many hasn't hits. gotten any better. So I to, I to answer my own question, I'd rather have Teddy and Foles because I do think that Tannehill's the same guy he was as a rookie, which was pretty good as a rookie. But now it's like six years later. I don't think he's changing. Also think this might be LaShawn McCoy's last game. In yes, he's had a falling out with uh, head coach Sean McDermott. The Bills, I would think, would win with that defense at home. But that would mean Do- Dolphins finish 7-9, and nine, not 8-8. Eight and eight, So that's why I, I feel like the Dolphins <laughs> That game last week ended like three different quarterbacks' careers in, in Jacksonville, Miami. Cody Kessler. Blake Bortles and Tannehill. You're all gone. Mm. Costly. Moving on, the Detroit Lions. They, too, are finishing off a disappointing season after back-to-back nine and seven years uh, under Jim Caldwell. They are five and ten entering week 17, and they have a tough assignment going to Lambeau Field to face the Packers. Greg, Aaron Rodgers, who has not been quite Aaron Rodgers all season, looked like Aaron Rodgers against the Jets and their bad defense. Um, you think he finishes the season out strong here? Yeah. I mean, he he's throwing it as well as he has all year. He's as healthy and moving as well as he has all year, and he's playing a team that's just – the wheels have come off with the Lions. There's now, you know, these stories this week about how Matt Patricia's late to things often. Like, he has not been on time uh, to a press conference briefing all season <laughs> to the point where the beat writers call it Patricia standard time. Right, and then he was 85 minutes late to the to – the, call with the Packers once so they wrote about discipline it was supposed to be right so that's the whole and they asked him about it and just everything it's just I don't know I know I got I got shouted down a few months ago when I, I brought this up but if there's one shocking dismissal on Black Monday Patricia I mean to go from a playoff team to a competitive nine and seven team to a five and eleven team where no one seems to really like the coach and they seem to be going in a bad direction he, he, to me, stands out as a guy. If you had to throw somebody that hasn't been connected at all, and he spoke to them, he spoke on that this week, saying ownership, he's, he has weekly meetings, and they seem, to be, they seem to support him and like him, so he's probably safe, but it has not been a good first year for Matt Patricia. It hasn't, and a lot of that is injuries, but it's also he's trying to institute a culture change, which is going to take more than one year. And if part of the culture changes him not showing up for things on time, I don't know how that works. The, the reason I don't think he's at any risk is just because of the combination of ownership and the GM that I just don't sense the Ford family is going to want to start a total other rebuild, which I think the only way that Patricia gets fired is if the GM, Bob Quinn, who's also from the Patriots, gets fired too and just just doesn't seem like that. Jim Bob Cooter, Cooter will probably be the sacrificial lamb here, the offensive coordinator, which I, can't, I can never figure this stuff out because – Everyone's doing backflips over Jim Bob. Did that mean the league just caught up to Jim Bob or Patricia somehow rubbed off negatively on Jim Bob? Because Jim Bob went from hot shot with the best name in the league to a guy that's going to get kicked to the curb in a week. Sometimes I lose track. It's tough to be a Lions fan. I remember you saying in this studio that you would be like when you draft when they drafted Darnold, like even a Stafford level guy, that would be amazing. But here we are like eight, nine years into the Stafford era. And I think the Lions fans are pretty pretty frustrated is, is this all it. there is i think a lions fan a serious fan could break this down much better but my read on this is that jim bob cooter a couple years ago turned stafford's career around with this quick passing game and then patricia came in and wanted to establish a ground attack which the lions have been missing so they were going to be a ground attack and throw the ball down the field type of team switching everything up from what cooter had had installed and then the injuries at wide receiver have made them a quick passing team again. So they don't really have an identity because they wanted to be running and throwing okay. down field. Makes sense. And now they're trying to go back to what Cooper He's been hurt, too. Years ago. Stafford's playing hurt. 
All right, let's move on. We have plenty of time to talk about Rodgers and the Packers' future. Uh, and we will have, uh, I believe, a Black Monday special podcast coming up next week. Um, so uh, we're going to get into what's going on around the Packers. They, they're they going to be big game hunting, Greg, as they say, for a head coach. Is that what they do? They're going for big names? I mean, I they, they did interview Chuck Pagano and Jim Caldwell already. Oh, well, there you go. That, the uh, that backs up that what I said, out. doesn't it? I don't know. <laughs> That's former head coach of the year, Chuck Pagano, to you. I was like, did Cal- Caldwell might have won one of those. It's hard to keep track. Yeah, it is. Uh, moving on, the Jacksonville Jaguars, another team wrapping up a deeply disappointing season. They are also 5-10. and 10. I like that we're knocking out these uh, sleazy teams. Well, sleazy is not the right word. It's not like they have some type of – We're giving them respect. Perverted past. You don't hear anyone else breaking down uh, Lions, Packers in Week 17. That's true. Eat and, it. And now here are the Jaguars. They're like, well, because that's not a good idea for a podcast. <laughs> oh, shut up. Every team gets its due. Uh, the Jags travel to Houston to face the Texans. The Texans clinch the AFC South with a win. The Colts, of course, who have won eight of nine, are right behind them. Uh, but if the Texans win number 11, Wes, nobody can catch them, and that would be a home game in the playoffs. And maybe even if things broke the right way, a bye. Your thoughts? I've got so much to say about this matchup. The Texans <laughs> – to me, are a much worse team presently than they were a month ago when we were really impressed with their back-to-back wins over the Titans and Browns. Um, They lose Demarius Thomas. They had already left Will Fuller. Outside of DeAndre Hopkins, they don't have an active receiver, tight end, or running back with over 300 yards receiving this season. DeAndre Carter, who was cut by who? He was waived by the Eagles. By the Eagles is their number two receiver. Right, and they don't have a running game at the moment. Their offensive line, which had shown some signs of progress throughout the year, has taken another step back over the past month. Uh, and their defense, the, the cornerbacks are just getting injured. I, I, they're not – they don't have the firepower in their secondary or on their offense right now, I don't think, to stack up against the AFC's best teams. But how much can, like, Deshaun Watson and, and New Hopkins carry one team? Because They almost if, carried them to victory. That's what I'm saying. That was one of the best kind of – I can survive the crucible young quarterback moments we've seen in the last few years. That was an incredible performance by by Watson. And Nuke, to me, is the most valuable receiver in the league. I've said it a few times. They were unbelievable. And just because their defense uh, couldn't couldn't stop Nick Foles late, they didn't get the credit. So I, I sort of don't doubt because I just believe in Deshaun Watson's supernatural abilities that he'll get through this. Yeah. They had no reason to be hanging around in that game right. and almost winning the damn thing. If their defense makes a stop, you you think the t- the side of the team that's healthier and they have Honey Badger and J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney, they can't get it done. But Clowney Watson had maybe did. the best game of his career in that game. Watt was well, I'm talking about the last possession, yeah. but yeah, yeah. yeah. I just Any other thoughts. I just mean yeah. They they need to get a little. They haven't been able to combine like a Watt and Clowney. I think they can do even more, and this should be a game they can because Blake Bortles is back, and the offensive line for the Jaguars has been gone all year. And uh, I give the Jaguars a better chance with Bortles than with Kessler, but their line is so bad that I just think they'll get overwhelmed. Their line is bad, but the biggest disappointment in a very disappointing Jaguar season is Leonard Fournette, Mm. who is so slow right now, cannot make anyone miss, and he looks like molasses running uphill in January. He is so damn slow. If you if he were to enter the draft right now, what round would you take Leonard Fournette in? I think he'd go undrafted. 
Wow. If just based on just based on the tape he's put out. Put that on your tweet. Social. <laughs> let me let me clarify. Tag just, him. If you watch last week's game, Leonard Fournette would go undrafted based on that performance. Well, he was that slow. What's interesting too is that when he came back, he missed weeks and weeks and weeks with what was it, hamstring injury? Um, he missed weeks and weeks. He comes back and he was putting up pretty solid production numbers. Is he hurt again, or is this just he's just not somebody? That's so when well. he came back, like he's he was shape. getting thirty carries and ever and doing about two point seven yards per clip with them. So he was putting up volume numbers, right? But he's he's admitted he's not in good shape. He has said all of us guys who came into camp without putting in the work, that's not going to happen next year. <laughs> I mean, he's basically said I I came into camp out of shape, and look at the way he's running now. He looks about ten pounds overweight. And he can't make anyone miss. I'm surprised that it sounds like Doug Marone's going to keep his job. We're, we're, you know, you don't know for sure. But Tom Coughlin upstairs, the the military man himself, Sergeant Tom, you would think he would not be uh, loving hearing quotes like that. What kind of culture is going There's on? There's a few there? of those expected to stay reports about coaches. There's probably three or four of them out there. Gase and Lewis and like one of those has got to be wrong. That's just that usually my, is my prediction because yeah. that's why you say expected to because things can change. Also, Calais Campbell playing every bit as well as last year. Almost single handedly wrecked the Dolphins last week. Oh, damn. Uh, moving on in the AFC East, the last place New York Jets, four and 11 uh, travel to Gillette Stadium to face the Patriots at 10 and five. It's a uh, weakened Patriots team, Greg, uh, compared to recent years, but. They hold uh, their own destiny here in terms of getting an unprecedented 47th straight first round bye in the playoffs. If they beat not 47, if they beat the wretched Jets who cannot close out a game, who compete but can't close out games, you will finish 11 and five and skip Wild Card Weekend once more. Which they did in 2001, which was one reason they were able to win that Super Bowl that year. Was 11 and five got them a bye in a in a home game, which helped. It helps immeasurably. I mean, Brady said it. It sounds like a cliche this week that this is a playoff game for them. And it seems like, okay, that's just something you say. But Doesn't I get speak it. speak highly of the, how confident he feels about the team. No, but he, he said that, I think, in similar circumstances. Like, we can advance one round of the playoffs by winning that game. And so the chances of winning an eight-team tournament as a home team in the quarterfinals versus a road, you know, versus having to play – in a 12-team tournament where you're on the road in the quarterfinals, theoretically, it's so much harder. I mean, especially for a deeply flawed team. I'm afraid of the Jets. I mean, I can't remember the last time I was uh, as afraid of the Jets in a in I a think you should game be. Because of Sam Darnold. Yeah, Darnold That's is playing reason, so well the last two weeks, especially. He played really well um, against Buffalo in the last in the second half. And then Houston and Green Bay, he's everything that you wanted Darnold to be as a Jet fan. You, you're really pinching yourself about he's not having the year or even close to it that Baker Mayfield is but if you just look at since he came back from that ankle injury he's as advertised uh for Jets fans and that gives me a lot of excitement as well as everyone else that supports the team um and different quarterback since he came back totally different guy period mentally mentally his ability to keep plays alive his ability to um avoid the type of mistakes that he was making regularly before he got Injured and seeing it and just throwing it more decisive, yeah, right. And he shows good arm strength. I mean, he's to me right now, he looks like the total package, and I'm really excited. Now, why New England should be worried, the Jets typically do hang with the Patriots, and they their offense, the Jet offense, is playing with confidence right now. Uh, and I think they would love in terms of motivation, Jamal Adams, and they're these guys are playing hard for bowls, if nothing else, down the stretch. They love the idea. What if we can go out with a win and bang the Patriots? So I don't think it's going to be a walkover, Erica. 
I just don't think it is, Ricky. I don't think it's going to be at all. I'm nervous. If I was at the other team, I would want the Patriots to keep giving a lot of snaps to Rex Burkhead. Hmm. Who, I don't know why he's taking snaps from James White, who was their offensive MVP for the first half of the season, or Sony Michelle. I, I, Rex Burkhead is not playing well, and he's committing mistakes. I, I do wonder, are the Patriots going to stay buttoned up this week in terms of their approach? Last week, and they've, I think they've probably been at their best this season when they go – Heavy on tight ends. Dwayne Allen playing every snap. I mean, they had Dwayne Allen and James Devlin on the field and five offensive linemen for most of last week's game. And I think that's kind of who they are. It's who they have to be. It's kind of who they have to be. But I don't know. Do you do you keep doing that, or do you want to get Tom Brady some some looks here and some improvement in the passing game before the playoffs? And the Jets, you know, if they do that, if they if they start putting three or four wide out, they're just going to blitz. Blitz Brady because that's what the Jets do, and that's what's worked on Brady. The books, I don't know if the books out, but it's working, and it didn't used to work. Gronk, by the way, is averaging less than four catches a game this year, has three touchdowns all year. I know it's been covered that he's slowed down, but it is. It's sad because he's a he was a fun player, even as a Patriot, he was fun to watch as a dominant player. He's just he's not that guy anymore. He's just not the guy. He's not, and he's not even close to them. All the more reason they need a week off. I think Brady's not 100%. Edelman's not. Gronk's certainly. But does a, I, does a week off even – I mean, it doesn't I think, hurt, but I does think it, it help could, Gronk at this stage? I, don't I think know. it could. Isn't he only like a week or two removed from a 100-yard game? Yeah, but I, I get it. But the last two games are maybe the worst two games of his career. He's been a huge liability in run blocking, something Greg Bedard's written about on Boston Sports Journal. And that's that's different, too. That, to, to me, says something that if he's not helping you in terms of his blocking anymore, he's just not the same guy. By the way, after listening to all of us say how worried we all are about the Patriots and who knows, they might not even win this game, that's usually the situation where, like, you know, it doesn't work out that way in the Patriots. Pull, They'll kill the Jets. One on them. The, it, I don't believe that, but I all four of us were on the same page that, like, watch out here. But the, the old the old rules don't apply to a quarterback who's afraid to take a hit and a tight end who's a shadow. Right, but they're, they're, they're more than that. They're more than just I know, but in the old days, that's who was running the team. Belichick, yep. McDaniels, Brady, and Gronk. Right. And now, who are they? Let's move on. A game with no implications. Other than hope, the hope that one of the teams stays healthy, the New Orleans Saints, thirteen and two, they have everything that they can lock up, locked up in the NFC. They are the NFC South champions. They have clinched the number one seed, which is home field throughout the NFC playoffs, uh, and they host the Carolina Panthers, who are playing for nothing. Uh, Cam Newton uh, is done for the year with that shoulder injury. Uh, so the qu- only question here, really, Wes, is. How long uh, will Sean Payton play his star players, if at all? I expect to see Teddy Bridgewater for the majority, if not all, of this game. I believe the year they won the Super Bowl, there was a similar scenario, and Breeze sat the bench in Week 7. He was inactive, yeah. Yeah, I I think you'll see Teddy Bridgewater, which is good for Teddy Bridgewater because he's going to be a free agent, and maybe he shows enough, or maybe the marriage is good enough that they convince him to stay for another year as Breeze's backup. Who knows? He's only 26. This is a big game for his value. I think one game can matter a lot, especially after he put up he put up enough good film in the preseason to the point where the Saints gave up a, a third round pick. You know, they got a sixth back to go get him. So this is huge, I think, for his free agency value. Because if he did light it up and moved well and looked great, I mean that's just team teams are stupid like we're stupid. Like that one game will make such a huge difference in his value. And it's a weird situation where for once there's more supply than demand. There's not that many teams going to be looking for quarterbacks. 
Uh, so it's going to be competitive between him and Tannehill and Flacco and who knows, maybe Eli or Case Keenum, and that that would open up Bowles. some spots. But yeah, there's there's not that many it, jobs I mean, available. If he if he looks healthy on Sunday, because I agree with Wes and everyone else that he's going to play a ton on Sunday. If he moves well, makes a couple plays. Um, why why after missing essentially the last three years now, he hasn't been active and on the field. As a competitor, wouldn't you think that he's going to want to go to fi- go find a job unless Drew Brees retires? Because even if Drew Brees is like, hey, I'm going to stay one more year and then you could take over. So he's going to want to be in mothballs for four straight years, essentially? I, I think there's no chance he would stay as a backup unless he just doesn't have a, a starting offer. I think that's the only way is that the, if he doesn't inspire. Enough, that would surprise me if he didn't have it all. If enough, if he just didn't get enough interest, because I'm with you. He's missed three straight seasons now. And Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer playing at an MVP level. It's just tough. The, the Saints just can't offer. It's more. It's partly a money thing. Like right. how much can you even offer a, a backup quarterback? By the way, Kyle Allen, haven't mentioned the uh, rookie. I think he's undrafted from uh, American is starting this game for Carolina. Played a few snaps last week in place of Taylor Heineke, who's now out. He looked okay. Little Kyle Allen action. Wait, he played like three, he played like three I know, plays? but he came in and he made a few throws. I was like, all I'm right. American? Little Kyle Allen. Yeah, that's where Mark goes. Colors don't run. Sessler went to school. Did he? Mark went to so many schools. That's one of, the, I lose track. one of the ones he, Mark went to was American. Isn't yeah. World Be Free from American University? <laughs> that's, that's is that a soul band from 1973? Free, the famous NBA band. That's one of the generation. Once again, the generation gap between Wes and Dan and I. I th- it's tough for Wes on days like this when he doesn't have his other. Uh, I mean, we're not talk- golden girl next to him. We're know? talking about one of the most well-known basketball players of the 70s and 80s. World be free. I thought it was Ron Artest. Uh, what did he change that's his name to? World Peace. Okay, see, it's confusing for some people. Any any thought before we move on, real quick, Drew Brees in a battle with Patrick Mahomes for MVP that he might, because you know Drew behind the scenes is a little different than the Drew that we all see, <laughs> is saying to Sean Payton, I'm playing two quarters. I want to throw two to four touchdowns. I thought about, Get off my ass. I thought about that, and maybe he wants to keep his start streak going, but he actually was quoted this week saying Teddy is going to play and deserves to play you know, a significant amount. So if he's saying that But publicly, that's what he says. That's true. And then he tells Payton privately, you be the bad guy. You be the Grim Reaper and say that, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start Drew, but that's what I want. I I would hope MVP that's a Walter Payton man of the year right there. Don't leave it down to how he does against the Panthers or how Mahomes does against the Raiders. It's stupid, and it's also stupid. Everyone saying this week, and I've seen this a lot. Oh, it's Mahomes, and it's not even close. Because to make a hot take, like you got to make it like, okay, saying Mahomes is the MVP isn't right. spicy. You can't just say and it's they're just close. like it's not even a comparison between Mahomes. It was like, what are you even talking about? It's not a comparison. Drew Brees is playing unbelievable this year for the best team in the league. The stats aren't that different. You know, they're, it's like it's, well, it's comparable. It's comparable. The stats are different. Not in terms of uh, efficiency, in there terms of yards per attempt, side. adjusted yards per attempt. I'm just saying it's not that close. And if you watch the games, I mean, it, it's not that far apart. If you watch the games, I, I take Mahomes too. It's just like Mahomes has, saying they're not close is stupid. Drew Brees has 32 touchdowns. Mahomes has 30 on the T- road alone. Touchdowns is overrated, though. I but really the whole purpose this race, is to score. Okay, 50, then, then Marcus Mariota is the worst quarterback in the league. I'm not saying judge only on touchdowns, right. but they're important. But 55,000 for the first place team in the conference. Yep. That should be It's more volume. So I give him the edge just because he's had more volume. But he has. To me, in terms of plays – 
Drew Brees has play, made a lot of plays on his own, and he hasn't made as many misses or mistakes as Mahomes, and that counts too. So that, I give Mahomes. Mahomes has both. not yet laid an egg in a game. Brees has laid several. Let us move on. An Sorry. NFC East game with uh, nothing riding on it, similar to what's happening at the Superdome. The, the Cowboys are the visitors. They're going to the Meadowlands to play the Giants. The Cowboys can finish 10-6 and six or 9-7, and seven and it won't matter. They are locked in as the NFC East champion and the number four seed in the playoffs. The Giants playing for pride, as they say. Mm. And, uh, Greg, um, of note, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is – it looks like he's not playing – in week 17, so after missing a quarter of his rookie season and then most of his third season, he's now going to miss a quarter of his fourth season. Mm. He has had injury issues in his career, and it's uh, it popped up again this year. Yeah, it's a disappointment for them, although they've had some good offensive performances without him, including you know last week in Indianapolis. I, I gotta, we got to give it up right now. Uh, Eli Manning, you proved us all wrong. You know, on our Twitter show, <laughs> Mark and Dan separately predicted he would have been uh, capsized yeah, and benched well before week 17. And then for the sandwich props before the season even started, I said he would not be starting week 17. So gotcha. I'm going to lose sandwiches on that. Gotcha. And uh, he always gets you, Greg. We were wrong. Eli did it. Congratulations. You are the Marvin Lewis of quarterbacks. <laughs> you find a way to keep your job and ruin draft picks, and you play your best when it really doesn't matter, like when you're at home. You couldn't week, get through there without a Week shot. 17, and That's so a as job. a present, I'm going to give you a little rainmaker on the old Giants <laughs> taking care of these Cowboys. Oh, yeah. You didn't, think I, you didn't think I'd give it up for Eli. Eli's going to be dropping dollar bills all over this backup Cowboys nonsense. I totally agree. And by the way, the whole Marvin Lewis comparison is cute, but it falls apart because Marvin Lewis never won a playoff game. Eli's got two rings, that's but that's, it's fine. You're that's enjoying just, yourself. Fun. Can I lock up the Giants? I just want, I just there are want, no roles anymore. So my, we're would, you, would you judge me if I locked up the Giants? No. I'll lock up the Giants. This is a perfect, like, Eli, make sure uh, Gettleman and, and the, everyone uh, back in the, the front office is like, oh, yeah, we're locking in Eli for another year. Maybe throw him a little uh, uh, Christmas bonus here, year-end bonus, because I think um, he is going to come out, close out strong. I think Saquon Barkley, who's in a, a race now for Offensive Rookie of the Year, will close out with a monster game as well. Well, they're favored significantly because no one quite believes Jason Garrett that he's going to play as starters. And that's you know why I'm making it rain, even as a as a heavy favorite. Because what is Jason Garrett's always going to take sort of the the, the less way? the less bold way out, and so you just <laughs> know that they're we're going to be seeing their you know Dak Prescott. That's a big drop off. Uh, to Mike White at quarterback, and uh, you know, and then inevitably, when they lose to the Seahawks in the wild card round, he will be fielding questions about why right. his team looks so. That's uh, that's you know, the Cowboys' move: is to the rest gate. their guys and then not show up for the it's wild like, card game. They seem they didn't seem as sharp as usual. Do you think it had anything to do with? Well, I did what I did, and I had to do it. It was like, all right, that's enough. Didn't they? They did the exact same thing. Like swore up and down that they weren't going to sit right. anyone la- two years ago, and then Zeke didn't play a single snap. Right, that was it. And I've seen a. Uh, uh, Zach Martin's injured, probably not going to play some offensive well, that's linemen. Smart. Are that's smart. Bench, I'm not saying bench it's, Zach Martin. He's right, injured. but it it's just a tricky spot. I, the NFL is you need to be so like hyped up for every game, and so once you're once you know you're coming. I here's a, another sneaky hot take. I don't think the Giants at home. I would take them to win. Maybe if the Cowboys were playing to win, like I think these are pretty even teams. That's my hot take. Um, win. A, I know you think I'm down on the Cowboys. Here's here's what I want. Win one game by more than two scores. Hasn't happened. 
do it. Good. That's what good teams do. They can win a game that it doesn't come you down know to what last else good teams do? I thought good teams win close games. No. Yeah, you know what else they do? They, they win, win six out of seven and get no respect from Greg Rosenthal. That's right. They beat the Saints. They keep winning games and they get no respect from Greg Rosenthal, even though they have two <laughs> linebackers who are basically Scientist. Rick Keekley and Thomas Davis from five years Love ago. Love their defense. Jalen Smith. Can't win with that offense. Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch keep everything in front of the sticks. They're like border collies just penning everyone in. Oh, yeah. And they're right. crunching like offense. Their defense is awesome. I mean, one of my favorites and one of the best, but I don't think you can win the way they're playing offense. That was weird. Even though they keep winning the way they're playing offense. I did think it was weird when they um, they flew to New York for the game. They uh, at one point, once they got to cruising altitude, they put a parachute on Sean Lee and threw him out of the plane. That just seemed unnecessary after all he had done in his career he's, with Dallas. He's the new Romo. He got Wally pipped by a better player who's the heart and soul of the team. Right well, now. he can he can enjoy getting seventy five snaps in this game as they uh, rest <laughs> Van Der Esch and um, Jalen Smith. Oof. By the way, Greg, um, the Rainmaker's back. Uh, but a little running bit uh, 101 lesson. Yeah. You got to weaponize it when Mark's here because he's the one that gets mad about it. So well, it just, just feels like a missed opportunity. It just felt like this game I was feeling. I was just feeling uh, some rain clouds over the Meadowlands Sunday. It's more could, of a I feel. Could, couldn't re- resist and it. Ricky, I know he Greg told you privately to eliminate the drop that features the singing, but you can't listen to him. That's also now become part of the fun I didn't of it say all as well. eliminate it. I said this week. How did you, go back how do to you the, know uh, that? How did you back. see that? I know my Greg. <laughs> I didn't say eliminate it. I said let's go back. He's like, to let's the keep that on the down low, and don't use the other one anymore. <laughs> I didn't say that. I mean, I said let's go back to this one. Absolutely. I can't listen to that anymore. Uh, the Falcons six and nine, another disappointing team. So many disappointing teams. Being a, a sports fan is hard, ultimately, because it really is about disappointment more often than not. Only one team is truly happy at the end, and for most fan bases. You, all your hopes are just flushed away by December. Isn't that sad, though? It's true. that Only 31 teams are going to go home. Right. I was thinking about that this week, and we'll get to the Browns, but, like, if the Browns could win this week, it's like that. It's very rare to to end a season on a hyper high note, and they have a chance to do that. Like, when you, when you finish the season like the 49ers did last right. year on, like, a winning streak, like, that's almost better than losing in some painful way in the first round of the playoffs. That's fair, dog. That's, that's fair, true. Dog. Look how well it worked out for the 2018 49ers. Right. I mean, <laughs> it, I'm not saying it means anything, but you feel great all offseason. I don't even remember what happened. Oh, that was the Jimmy G streak to end the season. Yeah, oh, yeah, we just, had to talk about that so much. It just felt so good. <laughs> that was the but worst. But you, you end the season on up note. You're feeling it makes your offseason so much nicer. Oh, my God. Basically, it was all discussion about the Niners going 13 and three, and then he went on the date with the porn star, and then it was all really downhill after ACL. that. That was that was the problem. Yeah. The date. The, the Falcons are six and nine, uh, playing out the string. By the way, sec- uh, according to our research notes, six and nine is second in the NFC South. So nice job, guys, uh, down there. Uh, they are against the five and ten Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are in last place in the NFC South. Anything, Wes? I've got some things. First of all, you might see some of Ryan Griffin at quarterback in this game. The Bucks are talking him up. This coaching staff has liked him for a long time, and they want to give him a chance if the opportunity presents itself, which, mm. hey, just bench Jameis Winston. There's the opportunity presenting itself. This there, Another product of QBU, Tulane University. This Ryan quote Griffin. was said by Troy Aikman in last week's <laughs> game. This is my first time watching Jameis Winston live. There's a lot of things he's got to clean up if he's ever going to be the quarterback they thought they were getting. That's four years into his career. Yeah, he his mechanic. I I think 
Aikman's probably talking about his mechanics, which is talking about. I'm no expert, but it's they're pretty. They look pretty wacky. This comes after uh, he was unaware of the play clock winding down on fourth and one from the lot of that line. A lot of that from him. Yeah. 24 years old, though. You know, still good to be young. Full career. Their first round pick, Vita Vea, defensive tackle, who I criticized earlier in the year. Spending that high of a draft pick on a defensive tackle is playing better by the week Mm. and has been dominating offensive lines. That's good. That's good. Let's as far move. as the Falcons go, just one. Oh thing. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I don't think there's anything on this offense that has to be fixed except getting a healthy offensive line and a healthy Devontae. Well, a better, a more talented offensive line. It wasn't good when it was healthy. They you. this offense only needs an offensive line and a running back, and they're fine. Let's move on. The Cleveland Browns seven seven and one, eliminated from contention, but a winning season. The first uh, since. I think they went 10-6 and six randomly in 2007, I believe, and they didn't make the playoffs, but it would be their first winning season since then. I could be wrong on that, and I don't want Mark to li- – well, Mark's not going to listen to this. But I'm going to do some research while you guys talk to make sure that is correct. But anyway, they travel to Baltimore to face the Ravens, and here it is, Greg, a win-and-in proposition for Baltimore uh, who clinched the AFC North uh, and knocked the Steelers out of the playoffs – with a win, that would be delicious. But you know what would also be delicious? The Ravens and, and their former uh, owner, Art Modell, who ripped Cleveland's heart out and, and left Cleveland to go to Baltimore. What if the new Browns wipe out the Ravens and break their hearts in Week 17, just like the Bengals did one year ago? It It is an it's the game that I think I've been most excited for all year, maybe, because it's just been leading to this. And they're two teams that are among the most fun in the league to watch. They're two rookie quarterbacks who couldn't be more different. And at this point, Baker Mayfield's playing about as well as any quarterback in in the league. He's so confident. It's almost outrageous how the types of throws that he just tries. I mean, he's like a starting pitcher that has every pitch, and he knows when to put in the heater and the touch pass, and he's not afraid of the coverage. And how about that versus the toughest defense in the league to prepare for, Mm. uh, the best secondary in the league? This is the ultimate test of kind of where Baker Mayfield's at. I can't wait. Yummy. I mean, what more could we want from him? He handles pressure well. He pulls the trigger on big plays, throws off different platforms with accuracy and zip. He shows already a knack for back shoulder throws. Um, I, I think he's legitimately a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now. And I, I think he's a better quarterback than Tom Brady right now. I mean, the last few weeks, no doubt. You left that one thing, Wes. Moxie for days. Right. And he's got that attitude that the whole city of Cleveland's built, building around. And he is going to be not, not, not a star. If he, if he makes the Browns competitive in a, a playoff team annually, and I think he will, this guy is going to be, I think, one of the next great superstars across the uh, professional sports spectrum in the United States because I think he'll have everything working, the position, uh, and some the people city, hate him too, or some the people, league, the that's good. attitude. Forget those people. Since when is Sorry. Moxie not an attractive quality in a football player? I don't get this. Well, they're, well, some people get rubbed the wrong way. I'm not saying that's the right way or wrong way, but I'm saying he has all those qualities that is going to attract advertisers and TV coverage and primetime games. 
this is the real deal. The Browns have hit on something that is going to make their franchise relevant for 10 to 15 years. Well, here, here's the Browns. It, it is going to be good for a long time. I, I right. think I really think they will. And I hope they get the head coach hire right. Here's what he can do. Wes, you said what what have you done is play well on the road. You know, his last three games on the road, Pittsburgh, he struggled. That was a while ago now. Uh, Bengals forgot about that one. He had the Texans where he had a couple interceptions early. Certainly did not play his best at Denver. And I would say that the Browns in general are a young team who have been much better in front of one of the best home crowds in the league. And now you're going to Baltimore to face, you know, such a great defense and an offense that Greg Williams is going to throw a lot at Lamar Jackson. It just seems like a boom. He's a boomer bust type of coach. Like, so I don't know. He, you could tell me they're going to totally shut down Lamar Jackson, or you could tell me, the Gus bus and uh, Kenneth Dixon and Lamar is going to run for like 350 yards at him. I, nothing would surprise me. Did Gus Edwards is good. Like this, they always figure it out. They started the year with Alex Collins as their starter. By the end of the year, now they're good. They're well, all good it running. took was like that one game where they featured Gus to realize he was much better for this mm-hmm. offense than Alex Collins. But Alex Collins can do Gaelic dancing in the end zone after <laughs> touchdowns. It's can fun. he get paid for that? I almost forgot the Ravens. Uh, Probably by sponsors. Baker's. Looked great, but without facing a lot of defenses, throwing a lot at him. It's kind of been vanilla. Guy, team's not getting pressure. That's not going to happen this Sunday. And That's as fair. Mu- as much as I love Baker and these Browns, I think this Ravens team is a special team. Are you going to? And I'm going to lock up the Ravens. I love that, Greg. That's a guy. It's like Ferris Bueller said. I'm just a regular guy with nothing to lose. I feel Ferris pretty. I feel that? strong about it. I don't think it's. I, think it was. It's, um, I mean, I, of course, you could be wrong, but I, I just think they're better. I think they are one of the best teams in the NFL right now. They have to oh, rule I, two things. I almost picked the same lock. I ultimately decided to go in a different direction, but this was in the. This was a finalist. I, I just realized that's actually Kevin Spacey what? in American Beauty. What did that. he say? I'm just a regular guy with nothing to lose. <laughs> so I'm equating you to Spacey. Ironic, though, if yeah. you look at. You know, oh, like his, got a little bit to lose his now. recent output, yeah. like his Christmas Day um, freak show. And tell, I did I tell did, me you saw that. Uh, yes, it was disturbing. <laughs> um, and I did uh, get that right. The Browns went ten and six in two thousand seven. Didn't qualify for the playoffs, uh, but um, yeah, they went nine and seven in two thousand two. That was their last playoff appearance. And one more note: if they beat the Ravens twenty four twenty in Baltimore, how do you how do you let Greg Williams go? I think he probably. What kind of message is that? Say? I think he probably stays. That's why it's a tough decision because you probably don't think Greg Would Williams you like is me the to future. That question. Yeah, go ahead, Wes. I think you look at the entirety of his career and say, I don't trust this person to put the best message forward for the Cleveland Browns going forward. All right. That's what I would. But do the if first I was guy that got the Browns to win in twenty years. I understand. I think you look toward the future. I don't think you. It's why that while Browns fans want to knock out the Ravens. If the if Baker played great, but they lost like a close game that everyone could feel good about, and that you know, then they get rid of Greg Whit. Maybe that's the best result possible. Well, Freddie Kitchens would probably go too then, but maybe not. All right, moving on. Um, Freddie Kitchens, the offensive coordinator. Jim Bob Cooter stayed. He did. How'd that work out? <laughs> uh, the Los Angeles Superchargers, eleven and four. Second place in the AFC West coming off a disappointing loss to those Ravens in which uh, the offense and Phillip Rivers were brought down to earth with a thud. Uh, But now they get to go on the road to face a Broncos team that is stumbling to the finish line under Vance Joseph, who will probably be fired less than 24 hours after this game concludes. So you would you would imagine a bit of a funeral atmosphere in Denver. And what is at the what is at stake, Wes? Chargers, if they win. 
and the Chiefs lose, they win the AFC West and get the number one seed. So they are playing for something indeed. These teams will all be playing for something in the AFC West by the time the games start. I wonder what they'll be playing for by the time the games end. I just I can't I can't believe Kansas City is going to lose at home to Oakland. So highly unlikely. So if if the Chargers are watching that result and paying attention to it, maybe by the it's fourth like, quarter they rest people. Right. But then how much is too much? A three-score lead, I guess, that, you know. But if well, it's it, not like baseball. You could leave the game and come back in. Right, but if it's 20 to 10 Chiefs or 30 to 20 entering the fourth, are you going to risk it? I don't think you should because any chance you have to advance another round and be a one seed, you got to take it. And the Bolts have their own problems to clean up. And I know it was just one loss, but their offensive line, I think, has been pretty sloppy and pretty poor for the last two or three weeks. And they could be looking at a, a rematch against the Ravens, except it's in Baltimore. And that's kind of a worst-case scenario, I, I think, for the Chargers after this year. Sad. Sad. That would be a real whimper to the season if they end it by losing to the Ravens in sad fashion, too. They haven't – you know, they. I love the Chargers, but they haven't put together that many complete games. It's these comebacks. It's – Okay, Bosa and Ingram have a good game, but then the offense is a little erratic. Like, let's let's put it all together and let's get Case Keenum out of Denver. And the Ravens might be his last game there. Pop. Gave Rivers fits obviously last week. He was uh, scrambling and uh, or doing a Philip Rivers impersonation of a scramble, firing the ball into the turf. Now you have Chubb and Von Miller coming at the edges yeah. after this, so it will be a real test. I wouldn't on the road and. They're crazy, the fans in Denver, so that's still going to be sold out and probably a loud place. I don't think this is like a gimme for the Chargers, especially uh, – and I don't even want to – I don't want to put that stink on them because they've shown this season that this isn't the old Chargers. But that would there would be a lot of that wiped away if they couldn't find a way to close out the season strong. Hmm. I think they are the old Chargers. I think they're the same team with better luck in close games. They've won some big – beating some good teams. So I'm not going to kill them for one loss, but they're a little sloppy. I'm not killing them at all. I think they were this good last year. I get you. 11-4. and I don't know. Maybe some crazy. They have a better kicker now. Oakland's playing. That makes a big difference. Oakland's playing better. Let's get to that game. All right. You want to get to that game? Let's talk about it. The Oakland Raiders, um, who uh, another team that uh, playing for nothing, but they really did show some hot, as they say in Greg's hometown, uh, on Monday night, Christmas Eve, beating the Broncos 27-14. They travel to Arrowhead now to face the Chiefs. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? The Chiefs haven't had as many easy plays or easy drives or layups for Patrick Mahomes the last three or four weeks. So I I don't know if it's it's a little bit of everything. It's it's not just missing Kareem Hunt. You know, Damian Williams has played pretty well in place of him, but certainly I don't think on passing downs is good. It's not just Sammy Watkins. It's not just the offensive line, which has had some injuries, but it's the combination of them that the coaching is no longer winning that much for the Chiefs because Mahomes had some layups early in the year, and now he still is doing the highlight reel plays, but there's not as many easy plays. You would think he'd get plenty against the Raiders, who he put up 40, but you're right. They were, they're playing, the, the, the Gruden Raiders are playing hard in, in December. Yeah, I think you touched on it, that it's not – just one thing. I think they do miss Sammy Watkins. I think Eric Fisher is not playing well at left tackle. Um, and I think Tyreek Hill playing through an injury is not not quite as electric as a healthy Tyreek Hill. I don't. Did you guys watch that game, by the way, the, the Christmas Eve at all? I it, it's totally lost to the world. Or the, or the yeah. yeah, it was the lowest rated Monday Night Football game of all time. So you were 
uh, yeah. on many. But the, it was kind of a, a beautiful scene there in the black hole. I love those fans, and they were going wild. It was kind of a special night for them, and Gruden knew it. And the I respect the Raiders players. It was almost like they knew it, and they were going all out from the first minute. And I, I recommend any of our listeners watch the – Miked up, which is on Raiders.com and probably on sound effects and all that with Gruden. It is awesome. It really? is so much fun. And it ends with Gruden like running around in the black hole going, Merry fucking Christmas! Merry fucking Christmas! Merry Raiders like, Christmas. Just like it was just this kind of amazing. It was a special night. What was Marshawn Lynch up to? <laughs> Marshawn Lynch was like trying to, yeah, trying to, a picture caught him trying to light his uh, joint on the uh, the Al Davis Memorial fire. That, that I think Al there. would like that. I, oh, yeah. I think he would. Yeah. Probably. But, well, I mean, he's not going to speak on it, so we'll never know. Unless he haunts Marshawn Lynch. I mean, ghost. and I know this is all way off topic, but, hey, it's this possible. is, yeah. This is, you know, our podcast, and when else am I going to say sure. this? For all the criticism that Monday Night Football got the broadcast crew over the year, the most trenchant one came in that game. They were not ready for that moment. That was a cool – it was a special really? time of that this could be it for Oakland and the history and everything. Those That crew wasn't ready to talk about that context. They just – And they that just goes beyond the guys in the they booth, by it. the way. Yeah. That is the entire – if you're saying – because They again, spent the whole broadcast talking game. about the shortcomings of John Gruden and how it's been a disaster and That's missing – Missing what was happening in front of them, which was, if nothing else, a, a night all those Raiders fans are going to remember. Interesting. All right, let's move on uh, to the other team in the area, the San Francisco 49ers closing out. Yep, a disappointing season after a lot of hype, breathless hype about Jimmy G and their five straight wins to end the season last year. Well, Jimmy G blows out his knee. Uh, Nick Mullins has come in and done a very nice job, uh, but still, they're four and eleven, and and that is their record is what it, they are. What their record says they are, as Bill Parcells once said. They travel to Los Angeles to face the Rams. The Rams win this game, and they clinch a number two bye, and that should be all the motivation they need, Chris. Yeah, I. Heard that the Rams had got their offense back on track, but until watching it, I wasn't convinced. But they had four long touchdown drives and another long field goal drive in this game. Um, C.J. Anderson got really low, churning his legs, tiny strike zone for tackler, tacklers. There was just no nowhere really to hit him. He started running people over. I, I was impressed by what I saw from him. And you could tell Sean McVay was really concentrating on a balanced offense with a heavy running game. I think that's their new – M.O. He made a drastic personnel decision before that game and gave Gerald Everett his highest snap count of the year and basically played two tight ends most of that game uh, from the first snap. It wasn't just when they got the lead and they took Josh Reynolds off the field quite a bit more. And I think that's that's playing to their strengths with Gurley. And I think the line is better at run blocking. I mean, the right side of their offensive line has really struggled lately to protect Goff. And so... That, that's that's McVeigh kind of adjusting, and we'll see how it works. I don't think this is a gimme game. 49ers, 49ers to me are a little dangerous. Uh, if you look, first of all, Todd Gurley didn't practice on Wednesday. I don't know about his status today, Thursday, as of taping. Uh, but uh, you would think they they will be tempted again to maybe risk it and try to give him another week off. But we'll see uh, ahead of the playoffs. The other point I have on this is yes, Jared Goff. A lot of pub about how poorly he played in uh, in recent weeks. Uh, but statistically, um, his passer rating is pedestrian, like around 90 since week four. So he, he kind of peaked that game we were at, that Thursday night game, 
hmm. um, in terms of uh, the one through four weeks, he was dominant. And I know he had that great game, obviously, uh, against the Saints, but his numbers have not been nearly as consistent in terms of being an upper, upper echelon guy since those first four weeks. I, I think he kept it going till the bye week. I hear what you're saying. You're right. Stuck on the numbers. He, he, did, numbers. he did peak early because he was just off the chain, but he was still playing – at a top seven or eight level, I would say, until they got to that bye, and then he came back struggling. Definitely played well last week, uh, and so that's got to make them feel a little bit better. I don't know. I'm a little – I think Rams fans should be worried about this. You think so? I don't know. The 49ers, the last three weeks, they've played – Come on. they got to take care of business I know, here. They, and they, right? they probably will, but they, they beat the Broncos. They beat the Seahawks. They played the Bears very even to the last whistle. I don't know. They do have a lot of injuries. They stink. They haven't stunk in December. They just they haven't. They stink. They just haven't. <laughs> Wait, didn't the 43-16 to 16 loss to the Seahawks happen in December? Yeah, basically since that game. That was a weird game. They outgamed the Seahawks even. You're right. That was a, that was a, a bad moment for them in Seattle. But in all their good performances have been at home. So maybe they'll stink. Let's move on. The Chicago Bears 11-4. and four. There's a lot on the line in this game. So the, the Vikings, uh, their opponent uh, this week at 8-6-1. and one. Uh, the Vikings clinch a wild card berth with a win. The Bears, if they win and the Rams do somehow stub their toe, they get the second seed and the and the bye. So a lot on the line here, Greg Rosenthal. Who do you trust? Mm. Who do you trust here? I'm rooting for the Eagles. One of our I, old games. I'm glad we're not picking. Are we picking this game? Let's I don't, pick this game because I don't have a pick. Now you got to pick it because it. you opened the window and now the window's been flung open. Make the, a pick here. So at, I'll start with Matt Nagy talking about the playing his starters this week, and he seems resolute on that, that they're definitely trying to win this game, and he's glad. He said, now I don't have to think about it much because so much is on the line. But he did allow that they could be looking at the scoreboard, and if the Rams are up big – then maybe he would call off the dogs. Ultimately, you ask me, who do I trust? I trust the Bears, who are the same team every week. And uh, we know what we're going to get out of them. I, if, if they're just playing to win, I trust the Bears. I trust the Vikings in this particular game, playing at home with a lot more to play for, with a defense that has been among the league's most stingy over the past two months, uh, with an offense that has definitely shown improvement with – uh, Kevin Stefanski, who has to be ranked high in your handsome coach rankings, by the way, Dan. I've been I've been tracking this. Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad. Okay. Not bad. A and, solid seven and a half. And when I hear a team say they're going to be watching the other scoreboard, I know That's they're not coming worse. into the game with the right mindset. That that is a concern. And the and putting up points on this Vikings defense right now would be challenging for the Bears, regardless. Here, here's what the Bears have done since the Trubisky injury, the last three weeks since he came back. They've averaged 300 yards per game. That's pretty bad. They've averaged 18 points per game. That's definitely bad. And they've had six turnovers. So they need to be more complimentary where they're not making mistakes that puts the defense in trouble and making it harder. And there's a lot of reasons for that. They haven't really – they had one good running performance and then two pretty quiet ones. This Vikings defense kind of owes Mike Zimmer. That's my theory. Ooh, let's hear about that. That – they let him down last year. They're supposed if if any defense in the league is supposed to be a 2014 Seahawks is that the right year? Like one of those defenses that carries 13. 
carries your team. This is it. It's a veteran group. They've been together. It's basically Zimmer's entire run in Minnesota has been leading up to him having a defense like this the last two years. And they they weren't good last year at the end of the year. They weren't good in the playoffs. They pretty much didn't show up. And so this year when his offense isn't quite as good, they need to show up and just start winning games for them. And they have lately. Well, they've got two problems. Everson Griffin and Xavier Rhodes, who have not played nearly to the level they played last year. They've been average players, if that. Mm. Here's my thought on that. I've, I've never been in love with this Vikings team this season, this season. And if they win this game, it would be a huge win for them because, first, obviously they make the playoffs. But also, they finally beat a team worth a damn on their schedule. And that goes that will feed directly into Wild Card Weekend. And they'll be feeling really good about themselves. Hey, we just beat the Bears, an 11-win team. And maybe we have some of this magic that that we haven't been able to find from last year. But and they'd play him again. This is going to be two weeks in a row if the Vikings win this game. That too. They're, they're like we already have the blueprint. Blah blah blah. All good stuff. But I don't think that this is that Vikings team. I think there's been something off with this team all year, and that's why I think the Bears are actually going to knock the the Vikes out of contention. That is, I'm, I almost want to lock it up. Lock it. But uh, I've already done it. I've already locked it. This one is way more exciting. Um, it's definitely more uh, more uh, onions. Going on, if you want. All right, I'm gonna unlock the Giants, and I, this is for Wes because I know Wes was upset about last week. I'm gonna lock up the Chicago Bears against the Minnesota Vikings, sending the Vikings into a dark, dark January and a lot of that soul searching. And the Bears, the team of ATN, finishes at 12 and four, still finishes on the outside of the buys, but they will be flying at 12 and four going into January. Upset feels like a little bit of a misrepresentation. I believe it was more of just like a La Reveal Magnifico of you and Greg when I'm not in the studio to hold your feet to the fire. I do the same thing every week. If it's that was that was a four point spread. That was actually less than. You don't do the same thing every week. You are full of it. You do not choose a San Francisco team that has a chance (laughs) to get the number one pick against a team that has a chance to get a buy, and you're like, oh, seems pretty even in my mind. By the way, Wes, I I did this to make. I don't do that. I just look. I pick a game and. Sure Not to dig up seven. ghosts, you know. I got the Vikings there, and I do follow the Vegas rule. Last week, yeah. whoever I locked up, I had. How many rules you following? Just got a lot of rules. Mirror, mirror, Vegas. and Vegas. Everybody, every man's got a code. Okay, that's mine. But the Vikings will go home, and actually, it'll, it'll be good because Wes, you've been carrying a torch for the Vikes, so I'll I, stick it to I you. I wouldn't say a torch. I just think that everybody writes this team off, and they should. I'm not writing them off. I don't know what you were gonna see on Sunday, but I. I'd be a little worried if I was a team that had to if they make the playoffs. It feels weird to me that the entire football watching public now believes that the Eagles are a better team than the Vikings. I just that just feels very weird. They can make the playoffs and still not be the better team. Just the way things shook right. out this season. I think it's quite evident the Vikings are a better team than the I, Eagles. I agree with Wes on that one. And I think Dalvin Cook right now is playing at uh, it's like a special I can carry my team for a few weeks level. Like I agree. top five running back level. He looks fresh. He is looking amazing. All right, uh, the Cincinnati Bungles, 6-9, and nine, uh, travel to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers, uh, by virtue of their inability to close out the Saints last week, now need help. they got to win this game against the Bengals, which, Wes, I assume that they will, but you know who knows with this, this Mike Tomlin team. And then they need help in the form of uh, brain cramp. What do they need? What do they need? The Ravens need to lose to yes. the Browns. Thank you, guys. Uh, Wes, your thoughts on this game? Well, it's not just their inability to close out the Saints. It's their inability to close out the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos, all in the past five weeks. 
they can't close teams out. And you want to dismiss the Bengals because they look shorthanded. They're they, eminently dismissible. They've packed it in for the season just about. Um, and then you remember last year what they did to the Ravens. But they had their starting quarterback in that game, and Driscoll is just not very good. I mean, they're, they're not a watchable offense right now outside of Joe Mixon. So uh, it, it seems awfully hard to believe that the Bengals could give them a real run in this. In game. a week of, of lopsided matchups, the Steelers are actually the heaviest favorites in the NFL. And I agree because this, this Bengals team's dead, and the Steelers, it just would be very Steelers. This would be a hellacious ass whooping of the week. If I had to make things rain, right. I would rain fire upon the Bengals and bet that this could be a twenty to thirty point difference in score. Yeah, it feels I mean, like a new chapter in this rivalry when Vontez Perfect reports are coming out that his career is in jeopardy. He's had seven concussions. Um, he's played just horrendously this year when he's been healthy. He's been overweight. He's missed tackles. And normally he's at the forefront of this matchup. Mm. It would be very Steelers to put up 41 points and Brown and Smith-Schuster both go over 150 and, you know, they win 40 to 7 and they don't make the playoffs. It just feels steelers right. I mean, they've played really well the last two weeks. That's the thing. That that P.I. call cost them seven points. They went to New Orleans, and they looked like the better team in the Dome. That's just a fact. And they blew it, and they should be punished for that. But they're playing at a pretty high level. They can beat any team in the NFL in any, any game. If they don't make the playoffs, and there's a better than 50-50 shot, probably they don't. Uh, they, to me, are one of the best teams in recent memory. Yes. Maybe this whole century to miss the playoffs entirely when you think they could probably beat anybody. Right. If I put them in the AFC tournament as a three or four seed with a home game, like I might've taken them to win the Super Bowl, but I'd, you know, I would be wrong. All due respect to the Ravens who have done a nice job, not only resurrecting their own season, but showing that you could win football games in 2018 without scoring 35 points a game. I feel like the playoffs are a more fun place if the Steelers are in that spot at that sixth seed. So that's where my rooting interest will be. They get because the Steelers, if nothing else, are always kind of a, a fun soap opera uh, in the playoffs, and it usually works against them. But they they play competitive, fun games. The Ravens are going to make whatever team they play play their style, which there's some beauty to that as well. But I'm just saying, I want the Steelers to make it. So you're a Browns fan this week. I am. Right. I like the Browns in general, but yes, I will rooting be rooting hard for the Browns this week. That's understandable. Let's move on. The Cardinals three and twelve playing out the string against the Seahawks. Nine and six. Uh, the Seahawks are they locked into everything as well? No, they could fall to the sixth seed if if the Vikings won and they lost. That's right, because Vikings then would be nine six and one, and the Seahawks would be nine and seven. Greg, uh, you don't see that happening though, right? That would be insane. No, it would be insane. And the way the way that Russell Wilson finishes seasons is actually a thing. Like he legitimately has these December runs. Better than Geno Smith. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, he's just done it so many times now. And I ha- I went back. I, I didn't watch rewatch that game until this morning. That Whit Wilson performance it was my second highest graded game by a quarterback all season. He was so amazing in that game. And then you think of what else is around him right now. K.J. Wright being back is a huge deal. Doug Baldwin being at full strength is a huge deal. Uh, Bradley McDougald was back last week. That's a pretty big deal. DJ Fluker is one. Like, they're sudden, everything is coming together for this team at the right time. I am locking up next week the Seahawks beating the Cowboys in big deal. I'm getting ahead of this one. <laughs> wow. Just letting you guys know. 
Because I, I, for the same reasons that, Greg, I've come around on the Seahawks. I, uh, like many others, doubted them. But not only do I believe in them, I believe in them in January. I believe in Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson making things happen. And I think the Cowboys, they know how to lose in January. Locking that up. I feel like Mark's been locking that one up for three weeks now. He can join me. It could be a lockup. I also, yeah, I think I heard it on one broadcast, not locking it up, but just I, I am wary. That is, I, no one's going to give the Cowboys a chance in that game at, for a home team. Wes will. I'll be picking the Cowboys. There's, not there's, as a lock. But there's, yeah, there's two teams that play. The, the difference is Seahawks aren't quite the same on the road, certainly, that they are. They are tough. We'll, we'll be able Mamba to talk about that next week. Is that a thing? Mamba Jamba? I mean, they have used co- to be a thing. come back. How about Pete Carroll coming back from 0-2 and uh, coming back from, you know, the owner passes away and he winds up getting a contract extension anyways. That happened in the last few days uh, from the acting owner. And uh, it's kind of like uh, the old Rainmaker came back today. I'm going to make it rain in Seattle too. I mean, that's where it's always raining. I need to get some W's here. Uh, I, I wish Mark was here. I need to stack it. He would hate this. Just the second one. Just the second one. It's raining in Seattle against a desert team. Mm, I like that. Mm. By the way, Mamba Jamba is a, a fill word to replace a, a noun. You know. Wasn't there a song, <laughs> She's a Bad Mamma Jamma? Yeah. Uh, the Eagles, 8-7. and seven. They have a lot on the line here with their surge down the stretch. Winners of four of five. They can make the playoffs, but they need to win, and they need the Vikings to lose to the Bears, which they will because the old Zeuser has already locked up the Bears, so that has been foretold. Uh, Wes. Don't even play the game. (laughs) Don't need to. Uh, They get the Redskins here. uh, So you would think on the road, the Eagles will take care of business. There will be 14 Redskins fans in attendance at this game and about 30,000 Eagles fans. Yes, all of that is true, and everyone's going to have the Eagles in this game, especially with the way Nick Foles is playing. And I, but, oh, and you agree? I'm just saying that you, Nick Foles is one of the least predictable quarterbacks out there. So, so you're knows? you're saying because they are heavy favorites, you would you would consider you know at least keeping the that the Redskins keep this game close. I, I think that's totally possible. Every time we've counted out the Redskins. Well, that's you putting words in my mouth. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I know. What are you saying, Wes? What are you? Saying? I'm saying don't be surprised if the Redskins win this game. You okay. are still not going to give Nick Foles a lollipop. I just said give the, the man as well. Pop. The way he's playing, I understand Stop. why everybody has him. My microphone. Sorry. I know that nobody's surprised when he plays poorly, but he plays poorly almost as often as he plays well. So they're still I, holding I, I, on I to won't this. I be surprised. I mean, it's actually what happened. Why did you forget the first two weeks of the regular season? Because it's ancient history. But this it's is part of his December, who he is. January, Nick Foles. Right. Oh, he turns into a different guy. He does. I That's don't the whole thing. That. It's okay if you believe that. I just don't personally has, believe it. He has a high ceiling, and when he gets rolling, he's shown he can keep it rolling. Whether it was under Chip Kelly or in the playoffs this year, and this is not a tough matchup for him. This has been, you know. The Redskins' defense under Jay Gruden has gotten a pass because the offense is so hurt, but it is sub-mediocre in basically every category you can come up with, and their defense has been healthy. And they cut DJ Swearinger because he mouthed off uh, about how he doesn't like the coaches, which after like four or five times, a lot of people are criticizing the Redskins for cutting him. It's like that. It's like he did it like three or four different times. And so it's like the fifth time – 
I don't also know. got run out of Houston right. for the I, same reason. I, I think like you can criticize the Redskins for a million things, and this one, this one. I think that's the reason they got it. It's now kind of cool to just kill the Redskins whenever they do something, but sometimes it's just common sense. You can't mouth off to your employer. Uh, we can't do that uh, over, either. Yeah, and over and over again, too. It, and now he's on the Cardinals and will go to the Pro Bowl as a Cardinal if he goes to the That's Pro Bowl. That's a magic He's an alternate. Story. The, the Eagles are different, though, not just because of Foles, but because of Sproles uh, adds some juice. Absolutely. And, and Mike Wallace is at practice this week. I don't know if he's going to make a big difference. Oh, Mike Wallace? Mike Wallace is off IR. And, uh, Forgot about and that guy. He's going to be back. Yeah, I do think their offense is different beyond Foles. I agree with it. Uh, let's go to – Sunday night football, yes. Every year they flex in the game that has the most on the line. And uh, and here it is, the AFC South hanging in the balance, the 9-6 and six Indianapolis Colts, winners of 8 of 9 against these 9-6 and six Tennessee Titans, who have won 6 of 8 and 4 in a row. Greg Rosenthal, you're on fire, aren't you? <laughs> you love yourselves on AFC South. Play in action. I mean, I wish the Ravens-Browns were at the, this window or Vikings-Bears, so I don't love, love, love it. Sell it, Because it involves the Titans, and the Titans, when you just said that they've won four in a row and they've won, what was it, 6-8? It's like, yep. it doesn't feel like it. I think Vrabel's, you know, I think Vrabel's done a good coaching job. Maybe I'm just biased because ultimately he's going to end up with the same record as Malarkey. But you look at this team, they don't really do that many things well, and yet they're 9-6. and six. They don't have a pass rush, and that's that's one reason I don't trust them against the Colts at all. Arakbo's been hurt. Harold Landry has kind of fizzled out, and uh, Derek Morgan's had a really bad year. They cannot rush the passer. Uh, Marcus Mariota was on the practice field on Thursday. Uh, he missed the end of week 16 with that stinger, uh, putting his status in doubt for this playing game. And uh, I'm not never going to question a guy's toughness or how much he wants it and all this stuff. I'm just a, a, a blogger and a podcaster. But Marcus Mariota, get on the field in week 17. He did return on Thursday. Do it. Did you just say that? I just did say yes, that. Right. Get on the field, and he's back on the practice field, which seems to um, point toward that happening. Yeah, it's another nerve issue, which has been an ongoing problem with him. And I think the problem is you're going to look at that and say there's no Blaine Gabbert. You're going to have Marcus Mariota out there. That's huge for the Titans. But he's not been the same quarterback while trying to play through these nerve issues. He doesn't have the same touch on his passes. He can't grip the ball as well. And to me, if he tries to play, that's not necessarily a great thing for the Titans. Hmm. Wow. You would, But still an upgrade, obviously. <laughs> Nobody has any idea yeah, how, I, I how, guess what his hand can do with a football right now. He played yeah. through injuries last year. This was a very similar spot where the Titans were not expected to make the playoffs and they beat a good Jaguars defense. He did not have a great game, but he did make big-time plays at the end of that game to get into the playoffs and then you know did the same thing in the playoffs. Obviously, you want him out there. But, yeah, I mean, this season he has 11 touchdowns and eight interceptions. That's he. That's they haven't been a high-scoring. At all. That's two weeks of touchdown production from uh, Patrick Mahomes. That's true. So, yeah, he's, but just, the Colts have to come through. The Colts, I don't think they're an up-and-down team. They've won eight and nine. They're uber dangerous. But they're not so talented or something that you just, like, chalk up a win in any game, including, you know, against the Giants last week. No, I, I agree with that totally. I'm just saying the specific injury for a quarterback that involves your nerve and your throwing arm, mm. 
that I mean Carson Palmer's had that before, and he said you just can't pass. I mean you can't grip the football right. So. It hurt his 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 ability to throw it down the field at the which is already the, compromised to begin with. And then on on the other side, I was gonna start with this and I forgot, but now I'm coming back. A little piece nice. of the curtain. Well done. Andrew, I think, Lu- I think Andrew Luck's arm is better right now than it was early in the season. And I want to point to one play that changed the playoff picture last week. Third and eight. Giants are up 24 to 14 at the end of the third quarter. It's third and eight. Andrew Luck throws a back shoulder throw to Dontrell Inman mm-hmm. up the seam. The level of difficulty on that throw and the, the amazing catch by Inman, too, to be able to adjust because you just don't see back shoulder throws like that in the middle of the field. But that was the only place that you could have possibly done it. That was just a, a P in the by Andrew Luck. And he had a couple of nice, uh, very flattened out passes down the field that I don't know if he was making those early. If they don't make, if they don't complete that pass and Inman did an incredible job. I don't know. I don't think they're winning that game. Their defense was not getting stops. I think that's ball game for the Giants. But those are the types of plays you need to, to go on a playoff run. I talked about that very throw in my MVP column, which Look is at out that. today. Wow. Hey. Wow. Top 10 MVP candidates. So you'll see where I have Mahomes and Breeze and Luck. Where do you have Sam Darnold? Six, seven. <laughs> He's on like the 2022. Where's Luck? Oh. Three? You put him three? I put Luck. You, luck. you love I Luck. I think like sixth or seventh. Oh, okay. That's very uh... – I had Aaron Donald in the top four, and I had Khalil Mack and DeAndre Hopkins in there in the mix. We uh, actually, Mark is out with uh, some type of throat issue, um, potentially laryngitis. But I did ask him, I said, most important thing is that we know what your lock is. Oh, Here's yeah. Mark Sessler with the help of a little friend. My daddy is locking up the Colts. <laughs> That's Colton Sessler locking up the Colts. Andrew Luck, if he wins this game, will become the only player since the 1970 merger with an 11-0 record against an opponent. 11 wins without a loss. If he wins, they have never beaten Andrew Luck. And I'm with Mark. I'm locking this up for the Colts. Okay. Locking up the Colts. Troll Casey out. Mark's Mariota can't even Oh, throw. you can't you can't put any shade on that. I would go the other way, Dan. <laughs> If you're interested in winning this thing, I I think you gotta like that the two uh, guys in front of you are on the same side and they're on a road in, I, in a game that they could that lose. That was a total I would, joke. I okay. think it's. A I fight. could certainly. I would take the Colts as well. Colts are the pick, but we're picking. Crazy things have happened. I feel strong, more strongly about the Ravens, but I've been picking the Colts as my team all year, and they need, ride with them. They need me here. They need yeah. you. You got their back, and I understand that. America's rooting for you guys, including because. I would much rather have you guys get your locks right, that's for sure, than have to watch the Titans in the playoffs. That's the one team I did not want to see make it through. And I, right, Sorry, Titans. I said it on Sunday. I'll say it again. Titans fans, you want me to drop that moniker that you hate so much? <laughs> Go win a huge ball game. Not only make the playoffs, stick it to Wes, stick it to Mark, and then stick it to the old Zeuser. You'll forevermore be known as the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> now that that's is motivation. It's a lot, it's a lot on the line. In our little world <laughs> of ours. It, it makes me so happy to watch the people who get angry with you because <laughs> of it. so angry. <laughs> they get so angry. Well, I, it's, I like, it's like a five-year build, though, to this moment. They've had other opportunities before, and they've blown it. But I feel like if they come up short, it's kind of like the team that, oh, we'll be back there next year. You don't know when you're going to get another chance to erase the Titans moniker. It could be years. 
And yeah, and it could it's be not if. like if they do win and then lay an egg next week, I will I promise there will be no double cross. <laughs> it will be over if you win Sunday night football. Wow. So uh there you go. There's your chance. And as much as I feud with the Titans fans. Could be twenty twenty two. Just like one guy on a podcast <laughs> says this thing and it really just That's why I do. I have respect for Titans fans because you Titans supporters out there love your Titans. And for that, you have my respect. You are Titans fans to the very end. Go Titans on Sunday because it helps me in the lock battle potentially. All right. <laughs> Here we go. We'll be back on Sunday uh, with our Week 17 recap. Uh, so we will have all this stuff settled in and locked in the next time you hear from us on the show. And also, uh, as I hinted at earlier or said earlier, we will have a show Monday as well, our Black Monday show. First time we'll ever do that where we recap Everything that's going on with the coaches' comings and goings and stayings and firings and all that, uh, that's it. This is Dan Hansis signing off for The Mailman, The Old Boss. Get well soon. Mark Sessler, need that throat to be clicking come postseason time. And Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Sunday, man! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.